0: This is The Verse, a weekly dive into the cinematic universes and beyond. We'll dissect the latest episodes, films, and news all fans from veterans to news are dying to know more about. Now, here's our team of pop culture superheroes we call The Verse Squad. Welcome
1: Welcome to The the verse.
2: Verse. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Verse. Today, we'll be answering listener mail in The Verse transmissions, We'll cover all the latest buzzworthy headlines. We'll meet the Bad Batch from Star Wars, and more in the Verse News. And then explore episodes three and four of Disney Plus's WandaVision. Be sure to hang around till the end, where there may be a post-credits scene. We're about to start the show, but before we do, let's say hi to the team. I'm Lucas.
3: I'm Bridget. I'm Norm. And I'm Amelia. This is the Verse News where we bring you the latest in TV, film, and superhero news from across the cinematic universes and beyond. So let's see what the Verse Squad has come up with this week.
4: Uh, Lucas, I don't know if you saw this, but we were talking about this last week, about how Ryan Reynolds refuses to do uh, Wolverine in Deadpool 3 unless Hugh Jackman will be a part of it. And Hugh Jackman on Twitter released a video from a a uh, New York cop who said you have to get this guy being Hugh Jackman onto Deadpool 3. And he was shot towards Ryan Reynolds. So there's hope.
2: All right. I just learned two things. One, that I might get some more Wolverine. And two, that I need to follow Hugh Jackman's Twitter account, obviously. <laughs> Uh, but that's great news. I'm excited about that.
4: Yeah, I thought I thought that was cool and uh, just very timely because it was literally right after we got done recording later that day, like it, it showed up on my feed and I was like, oh, wow, this is this is too good. I mean,
2: that would be really great if they make that happen. I mean, you know, the fans would love it. So it probably just comes down to like people's schedules, money. Of course. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, there's definitely a, a demand for
3: yeah. it. I don't know. Hugh Jackman might be a little too busy doing his movie musicals that I have some opinions about that one but good i will to share here bad opinions no you need to no, share no the not. Opinions. we might have q okay. jackman on the show one day so i don't... <laughs> okay <laughs> wait i
2: love that that's like his passion though that he's like a no i mean he's he's an
3: incredible man. performer it's nothing about that
2: yeah i never even watched the latest <laughs> one he did the uh
3: the circus the, one the greatest showman come on yeah, showman.
4: i haven't seen it either it's on my list oh, i gotta it's get to so it. good
0: so good that one i haven't
3: seen i will admit maybe that will unless oh it's God. a cynical
2: approach to how you know you've, anyway well, that's you're oh. right on our <laughs> musical podcast <laughs> we'll get into that
0: that's so funny but lucas do you have a favorite uh hugh jackman wolverine film
2: uh logan of course I I mean, was, anybody yeah. who says otherwise yeah. is insane it,
4: exactly <laughs> i 110 percent agree with that
2: yeah I mean, it's the only one they actually kind of did it right. I mean, at least the character of Logan. I mean, yeah. um, most of the time, the film's sadly like, God, they have so many good stories they could have mined. It's almost like they miss the target every time. and It's
4: well, kind of a shame. It, you know, I think I think that's a credit to, to the Deadpool franchise. Because otherwise, if, if the R-rated Deadpools didn't work, then doing Wolverine mm-hmm. in an R-rated style... That's true. I don't think
2: they worked. ever would have greenlit. And again, yeah. that was James Mangold, who we've talked about on the show. We like him. At least I like him. but um, so anyway, the the news I have is actually from a completely different series that I'm really hoping we get to cover on the verse, um, which is uh, the Wheel of Time series. Uh, we haven't even gotten the first season of it, and this is based off a series of 14 novels written by Robert R. Jordan then uh, finished because he died like before the end. So anybody who's a Game of Thrones fan, you know, this might be the best thing for you is to have the main guy die <laughs> and then have, uh, you know, I think Brian Sanderson is the name of the, uh, the author who took over. We'll uh, see t- if Martin from his pulls notes. A,
3: a wheel of time for his series. <laughs> yeah. But
2: anyway, the wheel of time is um, first season's coming to Amazon soon. And they announced that they already are uh, doing a second season. So they greenlit the second season before the first one's even gotten released. So as a fan of the series, I'm like, there's 14 books. If you do one season, and then and then it fails and nobody watches it, that's disappointing. So at least they already have two seasons. We'll hopefully cover that. That's my news. If nobody else has read the series, then it doesn't matter, I guess.
3: I I've wanted to, but I think I just felt like I I felt like I had my hands full with Game of Thrones, like, and I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to step into another relationship with a really long <laughs> fantasy series. Completely
2: like em- empathetic to you, and honestly, you're probably right. You might want to just wait for the the TV series. Uh, because the, the, what happens is the first, like, four books are so incredible. And then there's, like, uh, like a real slowdown for, like, three books. <laughs> and then Ooh. the final ones are great. But it's like this <laughs> hill you have to climb. And the true fans get through it. But uh, it's really a slog. So maybe just wait for the show. Mm-hmm. It's funny. People say
3: that about Feast for Crows. But that's, like, only one of the mm-hmm. books. And it's the shortest one. Um, but I also imagine. You. Three
2: thousand yes. pages like that.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, I didn't hate
4: Feast of Crows. You know, it was fine. I didn't,
3: I didn't hate it either. Um, but my my news also has quiet. to do with <laughs> also has to do with the Song of Ice and Fire, or or related to that. Um, the upcoming HBO show that's going to be also in the sort of Game of Thrones universe um, is co- which is called uh, House of the Dragon. I believe it's based on George R. R. Martin's book Fire and Blood. Or at least inspired by it, or something. We got some first look photos. So this series is starring some exciting people, including one Matt Smith. He's looking a little funny with his white hair. It's not his eleventh Doctor hair. It's not his. He's not wearing a bow tie, but uh, <laughs> so this the series is set three hundred years before the events of Game of Thrones, and it's about House Targaryen, the only dragon Lore family to survive the doom of Valyria, famously, which was. An apocalypse event wiped out all the dragons metaphor for climate change whatever um i don't know exactly which stories they're going to tell but i know that the the released photos are of uh the high towers uh prince daemon and princess Rhaenyra targaryen and lord corla's valerian i will say i haven't read fire and blood so i don't know exactly who they are but they do look really sick
4: yeah i saw those set pictures too um i'm excited this is because the best Game of Thrones stuff was based on the source material. Once they ran, they ran out of the source material, <laughs> things kind of went a little haywire, but like, I'm excited for this just because... A little it's, haywire. <laughs> I'm going to be kind and rewind. Um, Yeah.
2: I like how bold it is because of how much people hate that series now. I'm like, this is actually... I, I have high hopes for it that they will not only do something interesting because I love that world, and uh, in some ways I think it's not going to be as big of an event, so maybe they'll have time to then build it up to be something great. I mean, I, I have high hopes that because of how disappointed the fans are, you know, of the the larger audience, that this will actually p- uh, play to the strength of building something that can last for a few seasons. That's really cool.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. And uh, another thing that just came out, the Red Sonia movie has found its lead actress, and it is Hannah John... <clears throat> I'm sorry. It's Hannah John Kamen. Kamen from from Ant Man and the Wasp. Interesting. Cool. All right. Uh, I'm sorry if I butchered her name. It's just uh she was she was she did really good as ghost in Ant Man and the Wasp. And Oh yeah, that's uh, where she's
2: from. Cool. Yeah, yeah.
4: I think she she'd make a great Red Sonya. And I love the Red Sonya books. They really outshine Conan the Barbarian, which was they basically spun off from those. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a reminder of like the Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, and then Xena, Warrior Princess, how oh, just the spin-off, yeah. yeah, the spinoff just absolutely destroyed the original. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same way uh, about Red Sonja. The books were so much better in Conan, and they've only gotten more popular. I don't even know if Conan still Are you talking about comic. comic
2: books or actual novels? Yeah.
4: No, uh, the comic books.
2: Okay. Because I was going to say, I read the original Conan novels, and I tried revisiting them recently, and they're... <laughs> I mean, they're like a weird acid trip. They're kind of... It's like you saw the the movie Mandy. It's almost like watching that where you're like, this guy... And I think the author ended up killing himself. Anyway, it's like, go back and read the original novels and they're a little dark and weird and cool. It's such like a... Almost like um, H.P. Lovecraft World. But um, but the uh, comic books, I never got into.
4: Oh, we're, we're taking a little dark spin here today, aren't we, guys? Like, uh, man.
2: <laughs> yeah, sometimes life will be dark, man. You just know, one of those weeks. Makes the light more bright.
4: Just one of those weeks.
2: I
1: feel that.
0: <laughs> it is just one of those weeks. But, so, big news, I guess, to be on the lighter side... Marvel just decided to drop a whole grenade of announcements earlier this week. Uh, And so two of the big things, we'll talk about a lot of it, but the titles for Black Panther 2 and Captain Marvel 2 were officially released. So Black Panther 2 is now officially titled Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And Captain Marvel 2 is now the Marvels. So... Hmm. What does that mean? I am theorizing, and they this is probably already out there, but, like, so for the Marvels, it'll be Captain Captain Marvel, and then Monica Rambo and Kamala Khan, who is going to be our newest Avenger Miss Marvel, who's coming out, her show's coming out later this year, I believe.
3: Yeah, that's awesome.
4: This is one of those things where there's actually a lot of Captain Marvels in the comic universe, so they might be bringing in more characters. I wouldn't be shocked if they do that. Um, Monica, who we will be talking about today, she's going to be, I think, a big star now in the MCU. Uh, Kamala Khan, they just released set photos from Ms. Marvel and her comic book accurate wardrobe, and I got to say, it looks really good. I'm excited for this one if you've picked up any of the uh, Ms. Marvel comic books she she is a breath of fresh air in the uh in the MCU just like um Spider-Gwen and uh Miles Morales they're they're just really bringing in new these new characters who are just making the universe that much deeper and to see them possibly in a Marvel film in the MCU on the big screen is exciting for me
0: yeah, I'm yeah. extremely excited for Miss Marvel because I, I did read the comic books uh, a few years ago, um and so I'm so excited for that. And I was a big fan of the first Captain Marvel film, so I'm really, really excited to see, you know, Brie Larson come back on screen. She was in Avengers, Infinity War, and Endgame, but I am excited to see her take on a larger role again. And that's why I'm also excited for Secret Invasion because it is following the path of the Scrolls, who are also introduced in the first Captain Marvel film. So, yep. I'm pretty excited.
4: But the big the big news for me during that reveal was definitely seeing the title for Black Panther. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I feel like this is a direct homage to uh, to Chadwick. I, mm-hmm. I think if he hadn't passed, I don't think the name would have been Wakanda Forever. I think this is 100% a, a thank you to him. So... Seeing that, I, I will say, was like was was very beautiful and, and, and moving. And it was a- I'd
2: love to be in the room when whoever said that, like, this is what we need to say. We'll cut kind it of forever. You, could, you know, everybody else is like, <laughs> yeah, man, you nailed
3: it. Writer's room like erupts in, in cheers. In applause.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but seriously, like how, I mean, that whole, the announcement video that they made was so awesome.
4: It really was. It
0: was so just well put together. They had clips. From all across the MCU, from their first few films to their last few films. And it is linked on our Twitter page, but it was one of those things watching it that I was just getting straight chills like throughout the whole thing. And it was like three minutes long. Right. And I was like almost in tears by the end of it.
2: Do you know what annoyed me about it though? Is they showed the, it, the end game in the movie theater. And I was like, I never got to watch Endgame in the movie theater. Neither did <laughs> I. was
3: I. like, oh. Man, no, it Didn't nice. need to re release them. You missed out, man. <laughs> you missed out. I'm aware now
2: after I watched that that video. You, oh.
4: That, just just the end scene, where it, the end fight scene, even the beginning of it, like the way being in the theater and just hearing how people reacted to all those moments was so, so fun. And it's the one thing that I miss about theaters that I want to get back to is when you're yeah. having this shared experience and everyone just like has this effect on you and it just makes it that much better. I got to tell
0: you, i gotta tell you when i watched endgame the first time i need to put this in context because you guys will understand this so it was the the week that like COVID erupted i was re-watching all the movies with my sister so i could watch endgame everything just got canceled school just got canceled my season just got canceled i'm like in an emotional state of like i have to move home i'm so upset so my first night i'm home i decide you know what let's just rip the bandaid off watch endgame mm-hmm. i watched it alone in my bedroom on my tiny little flat screen tv i'm already so emotionally drained like to the max i'm watching this movie i like i couldn't speak for like two days like i just was like <laughs> don't talk to me please dear god no one try to communicate with me but I, I i avoided every spoiler for that film so i'm grateful that i didn't know the outcome because it made it That's that impressive. more awesome. That but let me tell you, when they were doing the time heist, I was jumping him down in my bed, like, screaming, like, <laughs> by myself. And then, like, couldn't get out of bed for, like, two days afterwards. But it's fine. We've recovered now. But I wish I had seen it in theaters, because I re-watched YouTube clips of theater reactions of that movie so many times. <laughs> like,
3: just brings a smile to your face. When Kat picks up the hammer, that was, like, that was probably the the loudest moment. Oh yeah, I bet.
4: It, it really, uh, you know, uh, it's funny that was the loudest moment, but the quietest moment, followed by the loudest moment, was when uh, Cap goes walking out there to face everyone alone, and all of a sudden Sam comes in his earpiece. The oh, the, the yeah. theater went yeah. dead quiet. Yeah. I I've never been in a theater <laughs> where everyone like nobody coughed, nobody sneezed, no nothing, just dead quiet. And then all of a sudden you hear on your left, and as this the little uh, spiral portal starts coming open. People like a couple people just like start clapping. And then when, when like Chadwick and, or when Black Panther and all of them start coming through and Sam flies out, all of a sudden people were like cheering. And then it got even louder when Cap finally delivers the Avengers assemble line, the whole entire theater erupted that I don't even know if I heard anything other than just people going crazy. And it, I actually saw it on a Monday afternoon So it wasn't even that full of a theater. So I would have loved to have been there with an absolutely packed theater. I don't think I would have. I think I would have probably blown out my eardrums.
0: I'm telling you, I'm getting goosebumps as you just described, like that whole scene. Like (laughs) I'm telling you. Uh, amazing absolutely well, amazing well they
2: should re-release them all like every <laughs> single marvel film and uh you know you ki- go back I and watch them all in the theater. Well, yeah, they want to so release ready the for six what is it?
0: the russo brothers they want to there's like the, it was trending for a couple weeks but you're not gonna cut get then. the same
4: reaction because oh, people know what's coming so i don't think you, i don't think that comes from pre-existing knowledge of that i think that comes from a very raw emotional state
3: that's yeah, true. basically, Lucas, Bridget, you missed out. Uh, too bad, so sad. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: but, you know You're absolutely right. That's why you gotta show up, man. <laughs> but, but that's one of the things that this announcement trailer did give me was chills, was because um, they took a Stan Lee speech from a panel. I think he did. If anybody wants to like research it, and I, I suggest people should, um, Stan Lee has done a lot of great public speaking, uh, especially about comic books and about the about the world, but also just about Life in general, and he's he's a very well-spoken, plain-spoken person. He he's probably like our modern-day Mark Twain when it comes to in, in that route. And there are several speeches that that people should listen to him about. Um, one being about diversity in comics. Another one that he was talking about here was just building a universe. He's very very good at this, and you know um, I'm gonna find a few and throw them up on our our Twitter page for everyone.
0: Awesome. Thanks.
2: Speaking of of stuff we should have watched, uh, I finally saw the first episode of Lower Decks uh, for Star Trek. How did you um, like it?
4: I, I've been told it's it's very funny, especially if you're if you're a long term Trekkie, it's hilarious.
2: Well, what it does that I truly appreciate is it if you remember from Next Generation, there was an episode where the it's I think was it called Lower Decks, where they follow you know the the the, the up and coming you know ensigns who are trying to like you know make their mark in Starfleet and uh this idea that it's not this is about the second stringers so it's not like the bridge it's not picard and Riker. it's all like the just the the you know the 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 schlubs who are just trying to like make it in starfleet and the fact that that's the focus yeah they're the red shirts thank you uh the fact that it's that's who they focus on makes it so endearing because i i'm always curious about you know like for example in um the Mandalorian this past season, one of the reasons I loved it is it focused on like the garbage collectors who got blown up in the death star. Like (laughs) what is it like to actually live in these universes? Right. And, uh, and I'll say that the, the lower decks is so not only funny, but it has so much heart. And um, so I, I only watched the pilot granted, but, uh, and it took me a little bit to get used to what they were trying to do with it. But I'm, Super curious to see more of it. So I'm definitely going to watch the rest of them. And uh, now I'm kind of sad that we're not going to be covering it because it's definitely something that's really uh, unique and also a wonderful addition to this uh, Star Trek universe.
4: You know, Lucas, we can probably just do that. Maybe a mini episode. We'll we'll watch an episode or two and, and just uh, talk about it real quick and, and put it out there.
2: I think that's a great idea. And this would be a great show to use because there's only i think you know there's a limited number of episodes uh similar for the bad batch
3: right petition to do one for invincible oh would Invincible be
2: would be great okay all right well we'll have to discuss it <laughs> offline we'll put it up on our twitter or something but uh we should choose episodes that are our series that have um uh, limited episodes we can review
4: Okay, so since we brought it up, we have to talk about it. Um, May the 4th was uh, Star Wars Day, and what all did you guys do? I know uh, Bridget and I both watched The Bad Batch. Did anybody else do any Star Wars-related fun?
2: Well, I'm more of a Revenge of the Fifth guy, um, so I just was like mean to everybody around me for that day, but uh, I did watch The Bad Batch as well.
4: Okay, so, so here's my question. There, there seems to be a little debate here about um, Revenge of the fifth, or is it Revenge of the sixth? The
2: sixth, I think Revenge of the sixth actually makes more sense. It
4: makes more better. sense to me, um, but like it seems to be a little bit of a point of contention. Like, is it is it the fifth or the sixth? I- I'm voting sixth.
3: Depends on if um, you want you know to
4: do it. You know what? Well,
3: alliteration you or um, rhyme. I'm more of with
2: alliteration. I think I'm. I'm more of a fan of alliteration. I
3: don't know. Uh, I just feel like
0: I kind of I do like Revenge of the fifth because it's the Immediately the day after May the 4th. And with light, you have to have darkness because, you know, that's the force. But that's my philosophical take well, on. But see, <laughs> but see,
4: that's that's the, the thing that I that's hypothesis. the thing that I like about the sixth is because um, you would expect it on the fifth. Yeah, it's the day after. It's the day after <laughs> that. it happens. Maybe. It's exactly. And that's what I that's why I like the sixth.
3: OK, you know, that's what, fair. I you guess know what? it shares more. It's because then sixth, it's not only an alliteration, but also a half rhyme.
1: Right. Yeah.
4: So, you true. know what? We're we're putting this up on on Twitter. We're going to put a poll up and and I'm going to find out idea. what everyone else thinks cuz I am dead set on it being the same. I
2: like giving it a day. It's almost meaner
4: to
0: well, give it one exactly. day. exactly. It's more
4: it's more villainous.
0: I decided yeah. that this week is Star Wars week like 110%. <laughs> no, I swear because every morning at practice I have worn a completely different Star Wars outfit. Um and
2: Are you posting these outfits so, so we can judge? I d-
0: I okay, so I've been I've been it's you had Wookie a Wednesday different didn't you? TikTok every day. So after tomorrow I have a whole string of a video of the different right, you days. you better put that up on our That Twitter I will actually well. put on Twitter and I have individual nice. photos. But my teammates think I'm a psychopath, but they just don't know it's coming to them next week cuz next week is another <laughs> themed week. So Please
4: please tell me you celebrated Wookie Wednesday.
0: I Oh, you of, didn't. Oh, no. I'm going to tell you why. I know I'm going to tell you why because my Wookie outfit is my warmest outfit. And tomorrow is the coldest day of the week. And (laughs) so I saved my Wookiee outfit for tomorrow because it's going to be very cold. So I thought practically this week because I had to plan out my outfits strategically based on weather, which is really (laughs) difficult.
2: (laughs) I, I have a joke for you. What's the interior temperature of a Tauntaun? Lukewarm. It's lukewarm.
1: Yep. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's a knee slapper. Right,
3: I, I actually got that. I actually got that because I've, I've been watching. I watched The Robot Chicken.
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. Nice. Okay. So
0: you get it. But so, I did celebrate and did watch The Bad Batch, which I. Oh, my God. I
1: loved let's it. Let's discuss. I love okay. it.
4: Really, first, uh, quickly, um, did you guys get to watch both episodes because they did yes. release yes. one on Friday as well? Okay, I so did. so you got you got the first episode which is like an hour and ten minutes, and then the second one which was like a normal thirty-ish running
1: right. time, which was
0: so Correct. uncharacteristic. The first episode being an hour and ten minutes for any of the animated series, they're typically nineteen to twenty-two minutes long each. That was like the Reb- yeah. Star Wars Rebels and then Star Wars Clone Wars. So all yeah. of a sudden, I'm watching it and I'm like, "How wait." It's, like, this is way more than 20 minutes. <laughs> Before we get too far into this, let's give listeners a quick explanation of The Bad Batch. It takes place, uh, timeline-wise, right after the end of Revenge of the Sith. And if anyone who's seen the movies, uh, at the end of Revenge of the Sith, uh, they order the... T- Chancellor Palpatine orders Order 66 and basically... Uh, tells the stormtroopers to eradicate all of the jedi uh and so this is where the bad batch takes off but so it follows a group of defective clones so everyone knows stormtroopers they are actually clones originally and so the bad batch is actually a group of five defective stormtroopers essentially Uh, I have a question though for you,
2: Bridget. Are they defective or were they, uh, I got the impression they were like experimented on or they they, like. Both. Right. Oh, yes.
0: Okay. Yes. (laughs) So they each now after experimentation and their defect, each of these members of the Bad Batch has a special talent gift that makes them unique. So one has heightened senses. One is basically like a cyborg type. Human.
2: One's a big muscle meat yeah, a meathead. Yeah, one's a meathead.
3: Uh, one's
0: a sharpshooter. He's a jock,
3: and <laughs>
0: <laughs> But they all have these different abilities uh that make they don't them sound unique.
3: that bad or defective.
0: No. Yeah, it's funny no. they call them the bad batch. Well, badge they're the bad batch because they basically badge. come in.
3: They're like this expendable <laughs> unit. Uh, in the arm, like for Wait, you mean like. Like some kind of a suicide squad. Yes, <laughs> essentially,
0: exactly is yeah. what they are. So they—they're they, who you call when you have no one else to turn to, and they will come in and get the job done.
4: Yeah, it's either them or <laughs> Ghostbusters. Take pretty a much,
0: pretty much. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, honestly, the Bad Batch—they, this group of characters actually gets introduced towards the end of Star Wars: The Clone Wars, uh, and so it's not like brand new characters, but we're just exploring them more in depth. Um, and we do get introduced to some new characters. I mean, there's only two episodes, so I'm assuming we're going to get to see more. Um, yeah,
4: I mean, in the second episode, they also uh paint a couple pictures with uh Captain Rex from the well, We uh, clone hear Wars. about him, but we don't see him, right? Right. Um, and the um oh wow, I can't remember the cl- uh deserter clone. Deserter trap? trap. Is-, is his name Trap or
0: why can't I do it yeah. either? It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but
4: but you know you, you get to revisit some of these uh these characters and it's it's pretty cool and I, I hope Captain Rex comes back in because he comes back for Rebels as well. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see you know how they t- all tie in together. And
2: I can say if you haven't watched all this stuff, it's still entertaining. Like they do a good job. You could have zero Star Wars knowledge yeah. and watch this show, and it would still really function well as like a, a dramatic right. and comical and uh, and this is the thing you
0: know, if you show. even and if you are a star wars fan and have never seen any of these animated series i can't even begin to recommend them to you they are phenomenal and i think people get turned off because they're animated and so they automatically think they're kids shows they are oh, yeah. not they are no. absolutely not the writing is phenomenal there's a lot of good drama the in writing, animation yeah for specifically clone wars and now the bad batch is top notch um so if you are a star wars fan you you need to dive into these because well, it'll just make your experience that much better
4: So Bridget I know how much you loved the rebels show so I I guess you absolutely loved the very beginning of the bad batch
0: I jumped off my bed like I don't know, I don't <laughs> I don't know how to express I had a book in my hand and I literally was like no no <laughs> no
2: So, just to clarify for those uh, who maybe haven't seen it or yes yeah, uh, so or, you know, or who might
4: not know what i'm talking I, about yet
0: <laughs> i i love that what i have loved so much about star wars universe the past like two three years specifically has the, how they have tied in all of their television series into like each other that's they basically are just bringing in characters um that are just crossing the different shows and so a character who is very prominent in star wars rebels is introduced in the beginning of the bad batch but it did a different part of his life that i was completely not expecting whatsoever and it just it gave so much validation to star wars rebels because i think it is a very underrated show and i think star star wars the clone wars who's a bigger following also is sort of underrated and that's why I think The Mandalorian was such a hit for me because it gave further validation to the animated series because the characters crossed over. Right. And so I just—I love, love that, that they
2: start with the the like World War II propaganda film or newsreel, whatever, where it's like, "Yeah, what's going on in the universe?" Like that for that, me is yeah, one of the reasons how, I love Clone that, Wars. That, yeah. the,
1: that that's man, how Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah.
0: He, he does that every episode of the Clone Wars. I love that's it. How every yeah. episode. And so starts. that
2: for me, I was like, okay, instantly, I was right back there because I was yep. like, oh, okay, we're picking up in this world again, um, and it, it was a really good the the. The whole beginning of it, and I mean, I don't want to do spoilers, but where they, the time it's taking place in, they just grounded it completely. That first episode lets you know, like, this is happening right at, at this point in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was great for that because then you fill in mentally all of the stuff that happened before what's going to happen afterwards yeah so they, i think they did a really phenomenal job of like not only choosing a really interesting story but placing it at such a cool time in the star wars universe right
4: well that's the thing that i absolutely love is i, I love getting context from um instead of having to infer things i love getting some some better context because they still let it a little open but when you're watching the uh the clone wars television show and you watch the prequels you, you get this idea of, like, all of a sudden, like, yeah, but when they say execute Order 66, how do they, like, actually turn? You've been fighting next to these people for a long time, and, and you know, all of a sudden you're just going to betray them. How does it happen? And, and like, is there any fallout from it? What's the what's the the way – how does this happen? And they, yeah. they answer it in a very um, kind of dark way, but, like, at least you get that kind of a little bit of closure, and you get to, like, then speculate to yourself, like, okay, well – now I know it was definitely implanted, and not only did it change, um, it wasn't like a, a, a brief second, like a oh, and like an on-off switch, like mm-hmm. oh, I got to kill all these people, and then boom, nope.
2: So we need to quickly have the the question that we asked on Twitter though: Who is your favorite Bad Batch?
0: Oh, easily, mine's <laughs> Hunter. Mine's Hunter.
4: Um, I, I really love Wrecker.
3: What are the which what way, are the powers of the of those ones? Yes, so it.
0: Hunter he has heightened senses, so like hearing, smell, so he basically like tracks people and he can find people. Um, so hence the name Hunter.
4: Uh, Wrecker is basically a demolitions expert. He's a big uh, jock meathead who goes around smashing things, but uh, he's he's very well comically timed and he's got a soft spot that i think it has a lot of room for growth and he's he's just really funny to me so and i always love the comic relief and that's definitely him
0: mm-hmm.
2: well mine is is definitely the uh crosshairs or crosshairs uh, yeah the,
0: crosshairs. Uh, the
2: sniper? The, yeah
0: the sniper, the sniper. Mm-hmm. he's the
2: conflicted he's the one who brings drama and tension to every scene um and you can tell he's the one who he becomes, you know, you can tell he's becoming something darker and meaner uh, than the rest of them. And for me, that if he's going to bring the drama, he's going to bring the tension, I'm way more interested in his character.
0: Yeah. And then the other well, two. Oh, and then the other yeah. two are Tech, who is like the geek, smart one, uh, techie guy of the Bad Batch. And then Echo, who I don't quite understand. They, they explained it for Echo
4: in in the in the clone wars series echo was a regular stu- stormtrooper who uh was on a mission that failed and they thought he was blown up and killed but instead the separatists uh the bad guys in the prequels uh saved him and cyborged him up
2: <laughs> oh that's why he's got all those yes. cyborg attachments yes that's okay. why he has all Understood.
4: the cyborg attachments and they they save him and then of course the bad batch and i think Anakin Skywalker find him uh, in a later episode of the Clone Wars and then he joins the Bad Batch.
3: Yes, that's exactly huh. how it goes. Well, incidentally, I did I, as the Star Wars is my blind spot, as we discovered last episode of the on the verse, but I did answer this question on Twitter anyway, and I <laughs> said the robot, which I assume is Echo. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. So we've all got our different, and we are going to assume that our producer, the mysterious Prusikowski's favorite, is the other one, the tech one, the techie one. <laughs> yeah, so we'll all have a different favorite.
2: There we go. <laughs> that means we're done with the news then, right? Does anybody have any other news items they want to add? I
3: have a bit of news. One thing, it's it's a quick one, but just today, actually, the, the day that we're recording at least, um, May 7th, for those who aren't sure, Jupiter's Legacy on Netflix was released volume one Ooh. of that series, and that is a superhero family drama essentially. So, it is based on uh, comic books by Mark Millar, and it's about this family of superheroes. And it's got this like grittiness to it that, um, and there's a lot of like sort of generational conflict about like the new generation of heroes versus their parents. And um, there's a pretty interesting backstory for like how the parent generation gets their powers. So part of the reason I mentioned it is also because I had the chance to interview the composer, um, Stephanie Economo, whose name I'm not sure I'm pronouncing correctly, (laughs) but she is great. Um, She was such a pleasure to talk to. And um, she taught, she told me about so many different like interesting film score things that she implemented and a bunch of really, really interesting details for the music, Um, the music is very, very consistent and very epic and mythical and superhero-y. So look out for that article on awardsradar.com in the next week or so. And that was The Verse News. Coming up next, our very own Bridget Brogan covers delays, not in traffic, but in segments.
0: Yes, so we teased it last week, but unfortunately we will be delaying the Verse Squad Blind spots for a couple of weeks as we try to locate our VHS copies of the OG Star Wars that some decided to store in an invisibility cloak. We won't lose them, they said. I'll remember where I left them, they said.
4: Look, I'm sorry. I don't have a photographic memory like you, okay? Like, I'll find them, I promise.
2: But do you know why those are important to watch? Because they have the original effects on them, the VHS one. They're not the
4: no, revised no. Lucas effects? No, no, that's, that's, that's not the real reason. The real reason is because Han shot only, okay?
2: Han shot first.
4: Only. Only. Don't do <laughs> oh, right. that. Only.
2: only. Well, if you shoot first and you shoot well, you shoot only. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, all right, leave it on the court, guys. But anyways, <laughs> when the segment returns, we explore the galaxy far, far away with our Padawan, Emilia. Until then, let's dig into episode three and four of WandaVision. Norm, can you begin our recap?
4: Yep. We return to Westview for another installment of WandaVision, Brady Bunch style. Here's a story of a magical lady.
3: Oh my God, we did it. Norm sang on the podcast. You're <laughs> oh my not God, welcome. wrap it up, guys. All right, we're done here. Let's go. I'm right. sorry, going. <laughs>
4: We land firmly in the 70s with the most condescending doctor in the world mansplaining pregnancy to Wanda and Vision using fruit analogies? Wanda had a baby bump at the end of the last episode, but she's ready to burst in this one. To make things worse, her powers are on the fritz. The superpowered couple try to hide their magical shenanigans and are worried the neighbors might catch on. Kind of funny the way things happen on this show sometimes. Makes you wonder if there's something deeper going...
3: Geraldine, who we met in Episode 2 as a member of the Neighborhood Planning Committee, visits as Wanda goes into labor. And she takes a break from her riveting work story to help Wanda give birth. And bam! We got twins. But for all of Wanda and Vision's hard work, the neighbors are definitely suspicious. Geraldine and Wanda have a brief moment of... clarity? Delusion? Wanda asks her to leave, and Geraldine disappears only to reappear at a military base outside of Westview in modern day. The plot thickens.
2: Episode four begins with Geraldine. She's in a modern-day hospital getting re-blipped back into reality after the Infinity War. Turns out Geraldine is actually Monica Rambeau, a sword operative, sword standing for Sentient Weapon Observation Response Division. What is that? Well, it's like S.H.I.E.L.D., but they go after things, and this thing they're going after is a sentient weapon, a.k.a. vision. Monica slash Geraldine is the daughter of Captain Marvel's bestie, Maria Rambeau. She returns to work after the blip and gets assigned to investigate Westview, whose residents have all gone missing. But this isn't a solo mission, as FBI agent Jimmy Wu, played by the always charming Randall Park, is already on the scene. Not sure which is more impressive, Wanda Envision's magic act or Agent Wu's mastery of close-up magic he learned from Ant-Man.
0: Like any good TV or film protagonist, Monica cautiously approaches the town and immediately gets sucked into some sort of force field. You see, Westview is under an invisible dome that is not easily accessed by any outsiders. Shortly after, S.W.O.R.D. sends for all the brainiest scientists they can find to crack the case, including Jane Foster's former sassy intern Darcy, who no longer appears to be a grad student. Congrats, Dr. Darcy Lewis. She figures out that the town is emitting a bunch of radiation layered with an old-timey TV broadcast frequency. So what do you do next? Grab a seat and tune into WandaVision.
3: And they watch just what we as viewers watched in previous episodes— And they discover that Monica is not only on the other side of the Westview dome, but she's been cast in the show as Geraldine. We zoom back into the world of the Maximovs at the end to see exactly what happened to Monica. She got yeeted through about five set walls and out of the Westview force field completely. Wanda. It's all Wanda.
2: All right, so let's discuss initial reactions. What did everybody think of the episode?
0: Loved it. Per usual. 10 stars. (laughs)
4: You
0: learned a lot. You learned a lot. Yeah.
4: You do learn a lot.
0: Episode 3 and 4 are definitely very, very, very different episodes.
4: Well, yes. Um, Yes. Episode episode 3 is continuing the the stylized approach, um, this time taking place in the 70s. Very Brady Bunch. The set's very Brady Bunch. Although the uh, opening song for WandaVision is very Partridge Family.
2: I was gonna say if you didn't mention the Partridge Family,
4: no, know. no, tr- trust me, okay. I, I was all I was all in that. That was that was really close to being the Partridge Family theme. So
2: yeah, and then the color on this episode, you know, they went from black and white to color. It is gorgeous to look at. I mean, you, just the texture of the film. I'm so curious. I need to do some research, and I, I apologize for not doing it ahead of time. Is the the uh, What did they shoot this on? Was it just a post color they put on? Because it looks really not only the color scheme and the outfits look so from that era, but it's just it looked gorgeous to
1: watch.
4: Yeah. And I want to bring up again that uh, that I brought up last time. Paul Bettany, again, just looks like he's lifted exactly from that era of the 70s. Yeah. He looks like he belongs to everything. So good.
0: Honestly, I was thinking about this, like filming that opening sequence like with the theme song must have been like the funniest thing to watch because they're like <laughs> paul bettany elizabeth olsen are just like frolicking around westview they're like eating ice cream well, riding a bike together like it's well, just so
4: picture perfect so that's a question i actually have for Lu- lucas right now um mm-hmm. you've been on uh, a, a good number of sets and i've yes. done some recording is when you're filming b-roll is that some of the time where everyone's the loosest because it, it, they know it's b-roll and it's
2: it, dep- it truly depends on not only who's running the set, but also, you know, sec- is it second unit shooting it? Is it the end of the shoot? Is it the final stuff that you need to pick up because everybody's exhausted? They just want to get home. Like so much more goes into it than anybody's fully aware of. Um, but I can tell you if it's the second unit and if they're not in a rush, that's when people definitely get a little more loose and let things down.
4: Cause, cause they looked like they were having fun in that, and I, I, just put myself in their shoes, and I'd be like, yeah, I would like to be riding a tandem bike around a, a nice little uh, set, and then you know having some ice cream and 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 whatnot. That that looks like fun. Sitting so on a that. swing
0: set, yeah, grilling no, some uh, burgers.
2: Yeah. And oftentimes it is exactly what you described, whereas it's not the principal crew that's doing a lot of those pickup shots. That'll be a second unit. So it's a different director. It's a different camera crew. Right. I mean, they're working on all things together, but so it's not as stressful as other uh, parts of the shoot. So it can be so much more fun to do. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, in a way, if you're supposed to have fun, I mean, they're actors. So even if they weren't having fun, they better at least act like they're having fun. Um, But personally, I like that stuff. To work on Mm
0: -hmm. i mean and i know lucas you mentioned it like the color of this episode was just like it just popped like off the screen like coming right at you um but it really was like aesthetically like i loved this episode Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it just it felt just like the 70s but again like it's it's not it's
1: marvel so it's just Did you guys watch
2: brady bunch at all yes. i mean nick at night i i you know that actually no. <laughs> is starting to date us like i grew up watching the brady bunch uh partridge family not as much but i still appreciated it so for me this hit a much more nostalgic point than even the old like we said i love lucy and the dick van dyke show watching that stuff have them matching not only the tone and the music but then also the colors the look the design you know huge nostalgia verse for me for sure
4: yeah you know um mm-hmm. credit to uh, maya's rubio uh, this the costume designer for Wandavision. She's definitely making everything look of the eras that they belong in. Yeah. she she definitely did her homework. Maybe I I, I don't know her um, most of her work, but um, I would assume she did a lot of good research to find the even the patterns that like mm-hmm. Geraldine is wearing when she when she comes walking in. Uh, I I loved it, and you know, definitely doing definitely doing the work there. Oh
3: yeah, hundred percent. And it's funny that this is it takes so much inspiration from the Brady Bunch with the intro and the and the aesthetic and everything. Uh and then we get started like right away with just a total tone shift um when there's this surrealist moment, almost absurdist mm-hmm. moment where uh Paul Bettany, I mean vision goes out to like talk to Herb for a little bit and Herb is like trimming his hedge wall like he's he's trimming he's... he's using his hedge trimmers to trim the like brick wall <laughs> that stands uh between him and the wandavision house uh and he's just like it's i don't know it felt like i was watching waiting for godot for a second when there's like <laughs> looking up and he's like howdy neighbor <laughs> yeah How's i got vibes
2: of like david lynch and uh blue velvet if you ever saw that were just things in this total you know uh, suburban setting just feel dark and a little off. Like, I've I really dug that, how you can see, like, something is very off that we've gotten little hints of is starting to intrude in more and more in this episode. Yeah. But, but let's,
4: let's face it, we know for a fact that that hedge trimmer was not going to be able to go through a uh, cinder block wall. There's just no way. Definitely not.
1: <laughs>
0: but I think what was fascinating, too, obviously we know something's up, but, like, Vision, like, really doesn't know like what's up either like he's kind of at a loss for answers too
2: now you can see he's starting to question it He's getting but skeptical. He's still... like
0: definitely skeptical yeah. but i mean we don't know anything yet like it's just it's just like one little thing after the next but this episode was crazy not only because wanda division just had kids which was just like still don't know how that's possible um but like wanda's like powers went like berserk like, that was, like, genuinely hysterical to watch because, yes, like, it was just, like, everything that could go wrong went wrong.
3: like. But one, one, one note about her pregnancy, though. So it's, like, a magical pregnancy. Uh, she's, you know, she's moving through the stages of pregnancy impossibly fast. But, like, let, let's talk about math for a second. Okay, so she goes from all right, zero now, now the... to six months pregnant. <laughs>
4: and like a- Emily is is doing all the math in her head like vision tried doing. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> Hopefully more effectively, but it, we, within what it seems like 12 hours cuz vision is talking to the doctor and he's like, "How fast how much could happen in 12 hours?" So presumably she went from 0 to 6 months in 12 hours. And then later he's calculating and he's like, "Okay, so you'd give birth assuming a logarithmic uh, like function or something, you know, we we have like 3 days until we have until Friday." And I was like, there's no way that that could be the case. <laughs> it's, it's, it's already, like, it seems like it's exponential based on what we've seen. Uh, maybe it's following that kind of, like, logarithmic function that tapers off. But that's a really bold assumption. Um, and it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Vision is a computer. He should be able to handle this. <laughs> they would have, like, an hour from when she said, from, from you know, when they're making the calculation. And she that ends up being basically the case. Okay, math time over. I
4: just wanted to <laughs> add a bone to pick. No, th- that's a that's a point I was thinking about as well because I was like, vision, you got to be off on this one, buddy. Like it, it's not making sense and the only thing I can think of is and as a father myself, uh, as those winding days come down, the the last few months, y- those like the scientific part of your brain starts being overridden by all these other things. <laughs> and you can't explain it, but you'll be sitting there and all of a sudden the most common sense thing that you do all the time all of a sudden eludes you to the point where you're just staring blankly in the space being like, I used to know this.
3: Ah, well, that makes sense then.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That does make sense. But I know and I know that we just mentioned it, but like something that I genuinely really loved about this episode was Wanda's costume specifically, like her like wig and makeup in this era was so good. Like, literally flawless. And I know, like, the head of the makeup department is Trisha Sawyer, I believe. And then Karen Bartek is the head of the hair department. And, like, I, listen, as as a girl who has curly hair and always wanted her hair straight as a preteen, like, <laughs> literally Wanda's wig is just like, Aww. It's so pretty. Like, the angels, the hair angels just came down and kissed Wanda's head. I, gave her that I wish I could
2: remember what article I read, but I literally read an article that somebody posted about how how much they loved all the wigs from this show. Yeah. God, I, I'm going to look it up and I'll try to put it on our Twitter, but it was like somebody was praising it. And now that I think about it, earlier I just said how much I love Paul Bettany's hair because he has lockdown hair, man. Like that's what it's like <laughs> with all of our hair. He's got like long, wavy hair that's, you could tell, like that's probably how they could did use in the, the 70s. Cut. That was the 70s, yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, but (laughs) her
4: her magic being on the fritz leads to these many comedic moments, um, Mm -hmm. with the stork showing up, uh, with her her water breaking in the form of like rain falling inside the house.
2: No, it's funny.
4: It's, it's very no, it, funny. It
2: definitely reminded me of Bewitched, too. Yes. I mean, I know we mentioned it earlier, uh, but it definitely – this episode, even more than some of the other ones, felt like it was yeah. straight out of those old sitcoms. Well,
0: you know what's funny about this episode, because her magic is, like, going haywire and random things are happening? It reminded me – so the show Charmed that used to be out, like, early 2000s, mm-hmm. when one of the sisters um, – who's a witch was having a baby like the same thing was happening like random magical occurrence you're saying this wasn't original i'm (laughs) just saying it is similar not not the same (laughs) i'm trying (laughs) to
3: suggest this is a common trope in tv and film (laughs) pretty much much. how (laughs) dare you
0: but (laughs) i I really thought that this episode tested elizabeth olsen's comedic timing and i think Mm -hmm. she really really nailed it so like one of the things was no one knows she's pregnant because she became like nine months pregnant overnight. So Geraldine comes over and she gets a coat out of the closet, try to cover up her stomach, and then the coat ends up changing like three times. She like goes to like a yellow raincoat and then like a fur main coat goes on, and just like her facial expressions were just so funny. Like uh, she, it she was really so hurt. Good.
4: It really hurt her to throw that mink coat I know, out the window, She was, too. like, she was, in labor, she was having contractions,
0: and she, the mink coat goes on, and she's like, oh, this is actually, like, so nice. <laughs>
1: but it was she so also funny. Had, I think
2: one of the most funniest physical comedy moments where she was, like, you know, getting pregnant so fast that she turns over and knocks a bowl of fruit down with her belly.
0: Oh, my God. Like Vision catches it. Yeah, like, yeah Vision's like, I can't it. wait to be a papaya, because it's, like, a pap- Oh, God. <laughs> Classic punk. Look
4: the the minute you find out that your spouse is pregnant, the dad jokes start and they don't stop.
0: <laughs> we can. It's like stop. a law of nature for sure. <laughs> That's funny.
2: But so then it, that was this that was episode three, right? Mm-hmm. So then episode four, I gotta tell you, I'm like watching. This is the second time I watched it, so I was a little more actually enjoying it. I remember the first time watching that episode. I was uh, a little bit put off because I loved existing in that sitcom <laughs> It's not a sitcom world. anymore. Right. It's not a sitcom. And I was like, God, I really was expecting them because they were so committed to the idea. I was like, I was expecting this to happen on the final episode. Oh, no. Like, I thought we were going right. to exist in this weird world with them and it was just going to keep going through the ages. Um, and then, you know, so it was, a, it, it was off-putting, but now watching it again, I, you know, I actually really appreciated that we get to meet... Um, uh, Rambo. I mean, we get to right. meet um, what, what, not Monica. Mama, what's Monica? Her? Monica. So we get to meet Monica Rambo, who I was already a fan of. Geraldine, <laughs> like I liked her character in the uh, sitcom world. So now rewatching it for uh, a second time, I was like, okay, I'm I'm starting to get why they had to make this decision. The writers now um, to to introduce us to not only her character, but then we also get to meet for me the. Favorite characters from the entire WandaVision now, which is her science team on the outside. Oh <laughs> uh, well, like Randall Park, I just want to watch and everything because he cracks me up. <laughs> um, but then, uh, what's her name? Who's from Thor? Um, Darcy Wors. Darcy.
1: Cat uh, Denning. Dennings. I just want
2: to yeah. hang out with the two of them, man. I would totally <laughs> like if I could have, you know, two people that I had to work with on a daily basis. I would definitely choose those two.
1: Yeah.
4: So I actually thought this this is probably my favorite episode in the entire series uh, first I love the uh, the title of the episode it's uh, we interrupt this program which is perfect mm, yeah. because like you good, said yeah. it's it's the first one that takes you out of that stylized 70s 60s 50s um, eras but it starts off with the insane insanity of what had to happen when mm-hmm. everyone came back from the blip
2: that scene is
4: good. yes and it's that so
2: good chilling
4: and it's the only th- it's the only window we get into that because we've already seen Falcon and Winter Soldier mm-hmm and and you know uh, before that was uh, Spider Man they ta- they talk about it there but they don't show you the impact and how chaotic and, it had to be seeing yeah, just, all these people just appearing
1: right. so you the see people, the re- yeah
4: the the
2: people disappearing was so like shocking and, and tragic and then people coming back is almost e- almost equally as shocking yeah. and, and tragic how in a way they did it too
0: how they did it like people re blipping it was yeah, yeah, yeah so you know that, so at that, the end of Infinity War effect, yeah at the yeah. end of Infinity War everyone who blipped like turns to dust. And so they just yeah. reverse did that in the beginning of this episode. So as soon as the episode opened, like you knew exactly what was happening. And yeah. you know, oh, my
3: God. Bridget, it was have... almost
2: like a horror film. It was yeah. very shocking. to We like, always you have think to be of little...
3: the that, the return as like a triumphant victory. But mm-hmm. <laughs> it was so oh, chaotic. It, really it was so otherwise.
4: chaotic. You have to remember, guys, all we are is dust in the wind, wow. dude. Bro. <laughs> But no, it it, it was really good. And to see the chaos that flows just in a hospital setting alone. And I think that was a really great way to do it is in a hospital Mm -hmm. where it's already going to be somewhat chaotic. But then to see all these people coming back and people getting really confused and 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 you also find out that people are coming back basically where they were blipped from.
3: Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Imagine how many lives were lost like in car yeah, crashes, like car
2: crashes <laughs> over a person yeah. You know,
3: well, like uh, reappearing in the middle of walls or something like oh my
0: well, no, <laughs> literally because they made a joke in spider-man far from home uh aunt may when they were like giving a speech at a benefit she was like yeah you should have seen the faces of the family who was living in my apartment she flipped back to her original apartment yeah. and there's like people living mm. in it obviously because like it's been five years but like, they don't, like, fully embrace the chaos of what was the blip, and, like, they're just going to Europe on a normal school trip. Like, nothing ever happened.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that
4: was the weird part about Spider-Man, and I was really hoping that in in that it was going to be, um, you know, it was going to be a little bit addressed, but it kind of wasn't. And then, uh, you know, by now, we were supposed to also have a Black Widow movie. Uh, mm. Falcon and Winter Soldier was actually supposed to come out before WandaVision. So this was supposed it's like to be... we all got
2: blipped, dude. Yeah.
4: So this was going to be like the, uh, the the third new thing in, in the universe. Yeah. The, instead, it's the second. Um, so seeing that, to me, was just a great scene. And then the scene that follows after is Monica then going to work. And you find out she's working for um, S.W.O.R.D. And mm-hmm. not only that, but her, mo- her mother, who uh, was in the uh, original Captain Marvel movie... Uh, Maria Rambeau uh, is not was not only the director, but now she's dead. But it is really cool to see like, oh, they, they actually set this up. They actually are following, you know, these most likely storylines, knowing that uh, she was also friends with Nick Fury, who probably set up sword. And, you know, we all know mm-hmm. he's on a sword station up in space on space vacation.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And I mean, Monica, it's funny, like she's um, she's a true professional because she goes to work three weeks after being unblipped re-blipped whatever like that's pretty dedicated she gets assigned to the westview case and in my and then she she just like willy-nilly walks up to the force field and they're like it you know they've already established the force field does not want them in it it's probably dangerous <laughs> um so then she just walks up and is like, "I'm gonna touch it," you know, and <laughs> then she gets pulled in, not even a obviously. glove on or anything. I'm like, "Be more careful!" I thought you were oh, professionals.
4: So, so, so now the question I have for you: Are you throwing her in the uh, theory of jocks? There is she a jock for doing that?
3: Um. I would, you, gonna, are, I, I would throw her in I'm going to suspend my judgment for now. I don't oh, know.
0: Okay. I, I would throw her in there. That's my first assessment. <laughs> but I, I want to see what Emily
3: has to say later on. Depends on how much punching she does later.
4: <laughs> well, I, I will say this. Um, It's a short little dynamic that her and uh, Randall Park's character, Jimmy Wu have. But it was a fun dynamic and almost to the point where I'm like, I definitely want to see more of this. I think those two would be a good team, uh, much like Bucky and Sam were in... uh. And Falcon Winter Soldier. I think I think these two can make something work on their own. <laughs> yeah.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree with that. But I would like seeing those two characters who are not weren't big characters in the MCU prior and see them come into this episode, Darcy Lewis and uh like Jimmy Woo, like, oh my god, like that was to me genius. Like it was just so unexpected, but like so exciting. Especially because the Ant and the Wasp was only a few years ago. But we haven't seen Darcy in quite a long time. We haven't seen her since Mm -hmm. Thor The Dark World, which was early on phase two of Marvel. I mean, it does
3: take years to get your PhD, so they did that accurately. (laughs) She's been busy. Yeah, she's yeah. becoming, like, busy. the smartest scientist in the world that S.W.O.R.D. would recruit specifically her. Yeah. yeah.
1: No,
4: but I, well, she has that. a very weird niche, uh, you know, um, skill set that includes uh, mythical gods, rainbow, um, bridges dark elves, <laughs> rainbow bridges, and quantum universe fluctuations. So uh, I think I think she's qualified. It's just Fair a little enough. bit, you know? I would
0: definitely <laughs> say she's qualified. Uh, but it was sort of really cool to see what I loved about this episode is so episode four is like totally like it feels like a marvel movie like that's how they do it that's how the screen looks and like they go back like into like when monica gets shot out like at the end of episode Mm -hmm. three and just how they widen and like shrink the screen is just like so cool and how they come in and out of like this sitcom just like I know I've said it a million times tonight, but, like, it really gave me chills because it's just something so eerie yet powerful about just, like...
3: like Yeah, they, uh, they oh. flip the switch and they're, like, yeah. cinema mode activated. Exactly. <laughs> right.
4: Now, Now uh, th- there's that Twilight Zone uh, moment where after she puts everything back together at the end of episode three, the wall gets reassembled... Or, no, that, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. in, in this episode four, where you see her putting the wall back together and, and everything like that, and then Vision comes in and says, is everything okay? And she goes over and she looks at him and it's vision with his, the mind stone ripped out of his skull. Oh, yeah, and and yeah. like, it yeah, it's, it's, vision. you, you didn't see it coming. And it's like, whoa, the, the yeah. it's like shocking. And and then like, you know, she looks away and she looks back and everything's fixed. And he's like, is, is everything okay?
0: Yeah. that was I, thought, really I thought that creepy.
4: was great. Yeah. But also, you know, um, Walt Darcy decodes that, um, there's a, uh, television signal being beamed out from this, uh, um, this bubble that um, we also see that she's reacting kind of the way we would be reacting while watching it and seeing the beekeeper moment where she says mm-hmm. nope and all of a sudden goes back and then but also when uh visions uh talking to uh to wanda and all of a sudden wanda doesn't like the conversation like and next where thing he's you know going. Yeah. it skips back and you're like wait a second Did Something just happened to my streaming. Like, am I back yeah. like two seconds or
3: something? I bet everyone like if they had statistics of this, they were like, "Yep, ninety five percent of our viewers rewind at three seconds." <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: just to make sure. Yeah. Just to
4: make sure yeah. they, that it wasn't the streaming. Because I, uh, I admit, I did that. I did, <laughs> I did exactly that. That's funny.
0: <laughs> well, honestly, what I thought was so cool, one of the special effects that they had was like when an object or person like enters like this force field it like changes like what they're wearing like or have Mm -hmm. on them changes to fit the decade that's within this forest field so like as we saw at the end of episode two a beekeeper shows up in the sewers it was in fact not a beekeeper it was a sword agent who was on a tied on a rope and was crawling through the sewers to try to get through the hacks but he's in like a A hazmat suit 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 that, that that didn't really exist in that time era when he crawled the sewers so it changed to a beekeeping outfit and the rope that was attached to him changed to one of those like plastic jump ropes that literally yeah. i used to get like sting mm-hmm. bites on in gym class as a kid like i saw <laughs> that so and i was assaulted. triggered but
1: it was really <laughs> cool that...
0: to see that like special effect happen and then seeing yeah. the helicopter that appeared in episode two that was red and yellow it was not a helicopter. It was a drone.
3: We learned it was a drone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was actually a little bit disappointed with the beekeeper thing because I don't know why, like, the beekeeper, like, just that aesthetic gave me such, like, I don't know, weird, surrealist horror vibes. And I was like, "Oh, is that the direction we're going in? <laughs> but um, no, it's okay. It is a, it is a Marvel film and we, we've got to get back to that. So I. Uh, but Emily, that's
2: one of the reasons why when I first watched this episode, I was like a little disappointed because where my imagination was going with this show was way crazier than where it actually is now. So it was like, okay, even though. Watching it a second time, I was appreciating all the character work they're actually doing and all the setup they're actually doing. Mm-hmm. But um, I have to admit, like, there was a part of me that was like my imagination of what was actually happening is was way more insane than what's actually happening.
0: Well, it, I think it was this episode was like a lot of revelations, like we find out a lot of things that, of questions. Mm-hmm. They answer a lot of questions that we've already had, but it also like kind of like regrounds us. And like you just said, Lucas, Mm -hmm. like your imagination kind of of gets dialed back a little bit. Yeah. Oh, this makes more sense.
2: Yeah. It wasn't, uh, it's not Twin Peaks. (laughs) It's not David Lynch directing
1: this.
2: (laughs) Get over it, Lucas. He's never going to do a Marvel movie. It's okay.
0: (laughs) You never know. Never say
3: never. That would be. He's
2: never going to do a Marvel movie. I think the world would
3: implode if that happens. Yeah. (laughs) I I,
4: I don't see
2: that happening. (laughs) I could just fall back and go watch David Lynch's Dune
3: for the
4: millionth time. But, yeah, you know, another thing that I absolutely enjoyed about this episode was we also find out that the voice at the end of Episode 2 coming out of the radio was actually Jimmy yes, Woo and Randall Park. Yeah. And, and they definitely um, synced it up so that it w- disrupted Help Me Rhonda, Help Wanda, Help Me Rhonda, yes. so it said Wanda. Mm-hmm. And uh, getting that revelation is fun. And it also shows that, you know, the people on the outside who are trying to break in, that Darcy Lewis actually knows what she's doing. So um, she's definitely not a jock Um, (laughs) and I really enjoy her character. So that was, that's a fun little, little part that I I enjoy getting the revelations to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I genuinely like Norm said it like episode four was probably one of my favorite episodes of this series because it just, I just remember watching it and it, the first time through and it genuinely blew my mind. Like it was like, Oh my God, like can't believe this, this and this are all happening and all these people are here and, It was just, it was like, it was coming at you all at once in like a 30 minute episode. It was so much information to like take in in like a short period of time, but I thought it was excellent and I loved it.
2: It is fascinating how short these episodes are. Like, I forgot watching these because there's so much story and character packed into each episode that, you know, The Falcon and the Winter Soldiers, most of the episodes are way longer than this. Um, So, you know, watching these ones, you're like, God, yeah, you forget that they really hit the. The format for a sitcom. I mean, thirty minutes for a sitcom.
4: You know, and one of the the cool things about this episode was it, it had the more Marvel feel. Episode four, um, and it's the one where we start seeing the most of the special effects. Wanda uh, mm-hmm. starts using her powers. You see the little red glowy hands, things. Uh, you get to see the uh, the force field and all that stuff, and it just goes back to show you that the guys over at. Uh, monsters, Aliens, Robots and Zombies, Mars, uh, did a really, really good job of of making this grounded in the cinema, um, yeah, special effects just like level. Yes, exactly. Uh, it, like you didn't feel like it was um, a, a toned down version for for streaming at all. It feels high end and great. And, you know, they talk about that in that inter- in the interview that we did with them um, that we're going to be releasing soon. Um, just keep an eye out for that. Uh, But those guys, you know, we we have to give them a shout out for sure, because they did an excellent job of making sure this feels seamless with the movies.
2: Yeah, I think it stands up to any movie that I've seen come out of Marvel. I mean, there doesn't seem any difference between the quality of this show than the quality of the films they've done.
3: Yeah. So a big shout out to um, Lon Molnar, who was a a founder of Mars VFX and uh, Anthony Tuchelis, a CG supervisor there, who were the people that we spoke with.
0: Yeah, super awesome interview.
2: So, if that's all we have for the episodes, uh, do we want to talk about theories and Easter eggs?
0: Yes,
4: please. Okay. Once again, it's time to dig in deeper with Easter eggs and maybe a few theories. Sound the alarm! We're heading into spoiler alert territory, but since we've already watched WandaVision... We're going to play around and not spoil with any answers that may or may not have been revealed already. Essentially, we'll play dumb. <clears throat> I mean, I'll try to play dumb. All right. I'm, I'm just an idiot. <laughs> okay. So a couple of uh, Easter eggs. One, we already know that uh, Maria Rambeau, Captain Marvel's best friend or a.k.a. wing woman from the <laughs> uh, Captain Marvel movie uh, is there, and when you see her plaque on the wall, when Monica walks by it, you see that her uh, code name is Photon. Now, in the comic books, oh. Photon is a comic book superhero, and the a the name the the um, real name attached to that is Monica Rambo. Hmm. Wow. For shadowing
3: much? Perhaps. I think perhaps. So. I mean, I. I- did notice that at the end of episode four, when we saw that Monica gets thrown through all of those set pieces, um, she's just fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> brushes it off and brushes that dirt off your shoulder.
4: <laughs> well, I, I want to say uh, I think um, Wanda knew what she was doing when she did it, and she's not going to put anybody in actual physical harm if she doesn't have to. Really? <laughs> Uh, yeah I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with that
3: I'm gonna go with that no harm done to the residents of Westview so far I am going to
0: say they made her seem like a bad villain by the end of episode 4 like you just like saw Wanda and the way she was like when she like twist her head like to the side tilted I mean she seems a little unhinged it reminds me of her uh,
3: pre Avengers days oh Mm -hmm. yeah that's a
0: good point yeah her angsty teens in the beginning of Age of Ultron Uh
4: Another little fun Easter egg that gets tossed out there is Darcy Lewis is called in to find out that there is some cosmic radiation dating back to the Big Bang, which, Mm -hmm. if we're all paying attention, refers to the Infinity Stones and the fact that Wanda's powers have been enhanced or given to her by the Infinity Stone. So a little fun uh, nod to the Infinity Stones there. Uh, her kids, she has twins in the in episode three. Anybody remember their names?
3: Billy and Tommy. Billy and Tommy.
4: Billy and Tommy. Billy and Tommy are from the comic books. Wanda has two kids who go on to be superheroes. Their code names, Billy becomes Wiccan and and Tommy becomes Speed.
3: Mm. Speed. 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 <laughs> Sorry. I have a need for Speed. <laughs> Wait, what's her what's um Oh, her brother's name is, her brother's superhero name is Quicksilver, right?
4: In yes. 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 I mean, in the Marvel Universe, though, they were not allowed to use that because that was the agreement between them and Fox.
3: Oh, right, right. So he
4: he just went by Pietro. And the same reason why uh, we haven't called uh, Wanda Scarlet Witch yet, because...
1: Oh. Because but I think it
2: was, is interesting how, you know, because they're like these comic names right they're like they super names that it actually grounds it into reality a little bit that'd be like yeah I'm just Pietro dude <laughs> I don't need a, I don't need like a super name I'm just fast and my name's Pietro
0: yeah it is kind of yeah. funny when you think about it
2: yeah <laughs> um, like Captain America makes sense Iron Man's odd anyway like <laughs> yeah the names are bit. actually a little bit silly
4: um, we get another commercial in this one this one is for Hydra Soak. Mm. Mm. Um, no, they're not even trying to hide the fact that it's Hydra instead of Hydro, like, you know, water based. So um, I'm guessing I'm guessing that's more of a nod to the fact that, uh, you know, Pietro and Wanda were both radicalized by Hydra. So I, I think yeah. that's the the nod mm-hmm. there. And then uh, a few uh, nods to t- TV tropes from the time uh wanda covering her baby bump which mm-hmm. was something that was done to hide uh, some pregnant actresses um during the times they would do whatever they could to make sure people didn't know so they oh, did yes. that it's
3: very convincing when she held a tiny fruit bowl in front of it <laughs> <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and then um you know some more code words for being pregnant nesting they talk about and uh the stork that shows the stork. up stork. obviously yeah
1: yeah
4: you know that's the big ones uh Anybody have remember any of the theories that were out at this time because I still think at this time the uh, Mephisto theory was still live I in think the it was so actually employed.
2: gaining steam at
3: this point. Uh, this yeah, is which the they point, were yeah. saying that Wanda was being would have been being controlled by Mephisto somehow. But right. I
2: looked into this norm just to like research where people were getting this from a little bit and it's according to the comics the the children were uh, uh, in the comics were created by Mephisto, is that correct? Like he, he actually engineered them to you know with magic to appear
4: so not that long ago uh a a series came out in, in the comics where they kind of talk about the whole uh wanda and vision family and they they kind of retcon a few things and one of the things is that uh that Mephisto has a hand in creating the children. So, and that's, that's definitely what people were doing. They were probably looking up.
2: I get uh, it now. Cause quote. I thought people were crazy. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like he has nothing to do with this storyline. But then I realized there was an entire storyline that he was involved in. So anyway, there, this is exactly, it's a theory and, that I kind of like, I don't think those people were crazy anymore. They're, like I could see that this is something that could have happened because it, the pregnancy comes out of nowhere, right? It just magically yeah. happens. So you know that's not such satanic a satanic intervention, theory.
0: perhaps. Yeah. Yikes! What we got? Rosemary's baby going on over here? Like,
4: did anybody check these twins for the the number of the beast? Is there <laughs> is there some sixes on these kids? Like, does one have two of them and the other one has the third, or what, what's up here? We're
0: not bringing the omen into this. This is not happening.
4: All
0: right. <laughs> um, I love this. Don't ruin it for me, guys. Come on.
4: <laughs> well, I mean, well, when you think about it, um uh, her. Uh, Wanda's powers is not that very different from Damien's in the Omen. It's just that, don't she, that she has a better don't
0: do this she has to me, a better Norm.
4: special effects team than what uh, Damien had. <laughs> don't do
0: this to me Norm, okay? I got to sleep at She night. had the
4: Mars team. Damien didn't have that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's true. Accurate. But I do want to point out for one like quick callback is in the beginning of episode 4 when we see Monica getting reblipped you hear like voices talking and it's like it's clips from Captain Marvel and you hear like her mom's voice then you hear captain marvel's voice and she says like oh like lieutenant trouble she's like i like i immediately registered that being like oh like that's monica because like that's what like captain marvel called her as a little kid was lieutenant trouble so i thought that was really cool like right in the beginning of the episode without like much happening they just like had those voices in there um from the i first didn't movie. pick up on that yeah, you I, yeah
2: that. I, I, I missed that yeah. too
0: oh whoa <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that no they had like nice literally job, lines Richard. lines from the first film were like playing out loud so when you go back and if you re it again listen for that
2: cool well
3: did. yeah and speaking of listening the the having a pop song feature in every in every episode uh, that tra- pattern continues in episode three they play at the end uh as geraldine lands outside this military compound the sword compound uh, Daydream Believer by the Monkees plays. love that song. That song has been stuck, stuck in my same. head for like... Which is pretty suspicious. Maybe a little bit of a blunt clue there. Uh,
4: mm-hmm. <laughs> Not as suspicious as the uh, song at the end of episode four.
3: Oh, yes. They play Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix, mm-hmm. the one and only. And I'm like, Voodoo Child, because, well, it's pretty obvious.
4: And I want to thank the uh, music department there for allowing it to get to the guitar solo before it went into the regular WandaVision theme. Because let's face yeah. it, you can't play that song and not get that far. That's so, what
3: we're here for. Thank you,
1: guys. <laughs>
3: oh, and maybe that will maybe that uh, adds some steam to the Mephesto theory.
1: Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Child. Devil Ooh.
3: child Mephesto. Yeah. <laughs> and also... I mean,
2: I'm usually such a stickler. When pop music is used in show, movies and TV shows... Like I, if they do it wrong, it just enrages me. And this show so far has just done a really fabulous job of choosing. And not and they're not always deep cuts. Like "Daydream Believer" is one of the no. most popular Monkey mm-hmm. songs, but it thematically fits, and it's you know it's just a fun song. I love hearing that song. Yeah, and,
4: well, I mean, you know. the the uh, music supervisor is Dave Jordan for everything Marvel and and mostly everything Disney, and I'm sure he had his hand heavy on mm-hmm. this and. You know, they do a real good job of making sure that the music definitely fits in with what's going on. Uh, nowhere is that more yeah. evident than in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, with yeah. how with how the music there See, ties into
2: the. But that's where they don't use deep cuts. They use a lot of like interesting B tracks that people are not you know used to hearing all the time. That are wonderful songs yeah. that I probably own on vinyl uh, to begin <laughs> with. That like you hear them used in a in a popular. Listen, they got Disney money. They can license whatever the heck they want. So like the fact that they choose they're choosing songs that not only are like legitimately good songs but then also fit properly. Yeah, it takes yeah. a really talented music supervisor to pull well, that.
0: Well, I off. noticed that mm-hmm. the music definitely kicked up a notch in phase like this last phase of Marvel, especially with Thor Ragnarok and then Endgame, they were picking like the songs they were playing, I mean, obviously some were very familiar hits, but like then others they're like these like very niche Songs, but now have become like had a resurgence basically in life because they were in mm-hmm. these huge movies, and I yeah. just loved I mean, that it.
4: that's definitely gonna happen. Yeah, look, look at what Guitar Hero and Rock Band did for a lot of old um, songs, that's very old true. rock songs. That's
0: very very true. Mm-hmm. But also, but quick before we move on, because I thought that was funny, because we're in theories and Easter eggs, um, as we talked about, like Darcy and them were literally theorizing all right along with fans in the show. Basically, they were doing it in the show, and we were. And she was like, well, I have a working theory. And that was the <laughs> universe created a sitcom starring two Avengers. And that was what they were working with, which is now. And they called it the Westview anomaly. That's what this yes. situation anomaly is. Mm. Oh, and two. At the end of episode one, when the sitcom ended and then we see like the screen pan out like on a TV and someone's watching the TV. That was Darcy. Oh, yeah. We find we, that. We that was God Darcy. Knows. Yeah. 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 So just thought that was cool.
4: Okay, I think we covered it all. If you want us to tell us your theories, ask questions, be sure to do so on our Twitter
3: page at TheVerseCast. Speaking of which, it looks like we've once again come to a crossroads of space and time where beams of light are sending hand-typed messages to us in the most wibbly-wobbly-timey-wimey way. All of this via this sophisticated high-tech Chrome thing a transcoder from the future, or maybe even another galaxy.
4: Uh, According to this manual, it uses um, complex algorithms and sci-fi lingo to deliver the verse transmissions. Whoa. Some people may even call it listener mail. If only we can figure out how to make it work.
2: Give it here, Norm. No, that's not working. Maybe if I zap it with the Hydro Spanner...
0: Did you charge the batteries? Let's try the sledgehammer instead.
1: <laughs> Boom! Goes the dynamite. jeez. Uh-huh. What? Whoa. What?
0: Did you hear that? Whatever. Here's the mail.
2: Alright, let's see what we have today. Our first message from Amanda. Where she asks about Star Wars. Are Han Solo and Finn force sensitive? Both have said in the series something along the lines of, I've got a bad feeling about this. That's a wonderful question. I think I know the answer. What is, what is y'all's
4: opinions? Well, I guess Emily is out of this one. So, but <laughs> I mean, uh, I think Quagon tells us in the prequels and Phantom Menace that the force flows through all living things. So I guess everything's Force-sensitive. It's just a question I, of how much.
2: You. That's what I think. I think everyone can be Force-sensitive if they open their minds to the universe and the Force. And uh, so, yeah, I would say all of them have a, have the ability. And I think, you know, Arhan Solo's abilities of, like, being good with a blaster and shooting before anybody else and flying really amazingly, yeah, maybe a little bit. He's, just, he's not going to tap into it, but it's there inside of him. And Finn as well. I think Finn... I think wasn't the storyline with Finn, too, that he was eventually going to be come yes. like a, a Padawan? Uh, I think they, that was I think that was the sadly, question. Yeah, they they... sadly, never did anything with that, which would have been way cooler.
0: Well, this is the thing, because in the Star Wars Lego Christmas special from this past year,
2: <gasps> that's
4: right.
0: Ray is training Finn is training to him. Right? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah.
3: so there we yeah, go. Yeah.
0: I just they felt so nerdy answering that question. <laughs> <laughs> no,
3: that's awesome. So we'll we embrace. all have the force. It's also known as a gut feeling.
4: Also, that, also yes. That. <laughs> um, sticking to the Star Wars questions here um, from Sarah G. Emilia, if you haven't seen Star Wars, have you also been deprived of spoofs like Spaceballs, the Robot Chicken episodes, and Something Something Dark Side from Family Guy? <laughs>
3: Uh, so part of this question's already been answered. I did watch the Robot Chicken anyway with the same friends who made me watch A New Hope. <laughs> just because it was on and we were apparently fans of Robot Chicken. So a lot of that just went straight over my head. But Robot Chicken is is funny enough that I was still with it. Uh, I, Spaceballs, I have seen part of, actually. And again, it was like, it was probably like watching something like with blurry vision on like it just like (laughs) i only got half of the experience but i was like so i was laughing in the most surface level way at the at the humor there i don't watch family guys so i can't speak for that but um
2: i think Uh, of all of those ones Spaceballs, you can actually enjoy without seeing any star wars sure it'll help but i think of those three mentioned Spaceballs, because it's Mel Brooks, still has enough slapstick, <laughs> yeah. weird, funny stuff going on that you I will appreciate. Brooks
4: I will say of that list, though, I absolutely think the Robot Chicken episodes with that are dealing heavily with Star Wars are probably the funniest of that group. And that says a lot because Spaceballs is hilarious.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I
2: think the Robot Chickens is like, yeah, that's some of the best work they ever done was the Star Wars ones. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: I think For that's sure. why they made me watch it. They were like, this is like the best robot chicken stuff. And I was like, I don't know what robot chicken is.
2: And, <laughs> it um, was quite the experience, I'm sure.
3: And they were like, we should watch it. And I'm like, I haven't seen Star Wars. and Like, it doesn't even matter.
4: <laughs> well, so, th- there are some really good jokes there that if you know, the Star Wars lore, makes, it- it's definitely it's a lot funnier. If you, it, yeah, it, it it a joke, it, yeah. It has made me cry l- laughing. So <laughs> that from that hard.
2: All right. Our, Next question is from uh, a repeated fan of ours who asked some really insightful questions. It's from X 97 jr Junior. If you could meet one. Yeah. Said, maybe is son, the... of son of Katmandu. Uh, son of Katmandu. If you could meet one actor or actress from the MCU, who would that be and why? And this is, but see, they're asking if you want to be an actor or actress. I'd be more interested if they just said, like, one character from the MCU. But we have to respond to our fans. So if there was an actor or actress, who would you choose? Hmm. I mean, I can go shoot from the hip and just say Randall Park. He seems like he's hilarious and... (laughs) He was in this latest episode. I think I'd love to hang out with that guy and just go get a oh, beer. That's a good
0: one. My first answer would have been Robert Downey Jr., but honestly, Sam Jackson.
2: I thought you'd say Paul Rudd, because no, he's hilarious. I just
0: like I, Sam Jackson just like watching Sam him. Jackson. Good answer. No, but seriously like he and he was also in Star Wars too, so like I can knock that off my bucket list. You
2: know, you could go karaoke with Sam yeah, Jackson. But and he have just a blast. seems so
0: chill and he's talked about so many times <laughs> yeah. on shows that he loves when fans come and interact with him. And he like re-watches all his own stuff too, so he's just as big of his fan of himself yeah, he's as we are. A cool dude so to hang out with. he's probably really cool to hang yeah. out with. So I'd love to meet Samuel L. Jackson. Good answer. Yeah,
4: you know, I, I think everyone here is expecting me to say uh, Chris Evans, but uh, I'm not going to say that because watching the interview junkets, it becomes clear that two of the best people in those interviews are probably Anthony Mackie and Tom Holland. So oh, I, I got to, I would have to flip a coin between the two of them. But I, I think I'd want to um, hang out with Tom a little more, just because uh, his British sense of humor um, kind of edges out Anthony Mackey, But the
2: dry wit, you like the
4: dry. Yeah, wit. I do.
3: Yeah, I, I would right. love to go drinking with Anthony Mackey.
2: Yeah, he seems like <laughs> I, he'd be the guy you want to have as your wingman at the bar, on your left. Pun
4: intended. <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> yeah. Isn't he a New Orleans native, or or like lives in New Orleans or something?
4: Uh, he's f- he's from he's from New Orleans. Yeah, so I think he he's living knows- in Brooklyn now.
3: He knows how to party.
4: Yeah. He seems like <laughs> a cool dude. Uh
3: yeah, yeah. My, my knee-jerk answer was also R D J. Yeah. But so I'll I'll put that one out there. Yes, definitely RDJ. But um maybe Benedict Cumberbatch as Doc because I loved him as Doctor Strange and I love him in all of his other work too on Sherlock. Uh so Star are, Trek.
4: are you a Cumberbatch?
1: Oh that's no hey, cussing that's,
4: that's that's their preferred terminology that's not something i made off the top of my head guys come that's on so
1: true
3: i'm just a. am i'm a i'm a, I'm a, a cumber bro i won't say what i was thinking i'm a cumber bro here we go I, it's
0: okay but one other person though i think i would put on my bucket list um is michael douglas because I love Michael Douglas. I love him um, a lot of him. Yeah, he's
2: like an incredible producer, actor. I could talk with films all day with him. Yeah,
0: but like he would be like someone I would want to have a conversation with. Like, like I know he's not his role's not that huge in the MCU, but come on. like Just to talk to Michael I mean, he's, Douglas. He's Hollywood royalty. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, you got to think deep on this question. but That was a good question. Sam Jackson,
1: I don't know. Paul
3: Rudd.
0: Okay. Sam ja- no, <laughs> Sam Jackson read definitely read is my number sure. one. But if I couldn't have made Sam Jackson go to michael douglas
3: paul rudd because he's so darn charming
1: yeah that's true That's and he depends on what we're doing though if we're just gonna go
2: have a cup of coffee well we know norm doesn't drink coffee so you're out but paul rudd seems like a good guy to go get a coffee with he would just he would just make you giggle (laughs) true all right well that was a good question thank you for that
0: we absolutely love it when listeners reach out to us so please keep all those questions coming and you can find us on Twitter. The show's handle is at The Verse Cast. So make sure to tweet us any and all questions there, at The Verse Cast on Twitter. You can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And we are also now on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you find your favorite podcast. And if you want to follow me, BridgetBrogan16, uh, that's on Twitter and Instagram.
4: And if you want to follow me, Norm Felker, you can follow me on Twitter at random underscore white guy.
2: And you can follow me, Lucas Longaker, at LuconianLogic on Instagram and on Twitter.
3: And you can follow me, Emilia, at Emilia Yu on Twitter. That's spelled E-M-I-L-I-A-Y-U.
4: Finally, there's our producer, Stephen Prusikowski, a.k.a. Film Snork. Last we heard, he had some really big news that he was going to tell us all about once he got back from Tashi Station and picking up some power converters. But we haven't seen him since. Uh, If you want to follow him, you can follow him on Twitter and Letterboxd at Filmsnork.
3: What is the news? When will we ever find out? Jeez.
4: Never.
0: Carabast! Is that our music? Well, that means it's time to wrap up. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time in The Verse. The Verse is presented by ScreenRadar.com and produced by Stephen Kruzikowski.
2: I have a a quick quiz, or I I guess it would be a trivia for y'all, if you have one minute to play. Absolutely. Okay. Well, the Avengers debuted on September 1963, created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. The original crew was Iron Man, the Wasp, the Hulk, Thor, and Ant-Man. Cap joined in issue four after being discovered in a block of ice. But the second Avengers lineup consisted of just Captain America, the Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, and Hawkeye that ran for 11 issues. What was the name of that second crew, their nickname? And I'm going to give you four choices, and you have to choose the correct answer. (laughs) The Fightin' Four... The Fabulous Four, Cap's Kooky Quartet, or Cap's Crime-Fighting Quartet?
3: The Kooky Cap Quartet Cap Fighting Captain Team. Final answer.
0: (laughs) Can you repeat the answer? Anyone else want to guess? I say the last one, or the last one was.
2: Cap's Crime-Fighting yeah, Quartet, sounds... Cap's Kooky Quartet, no, The, crime the Fabulous quartet. Four, or The, fightin the four.
0: Crime fighting. Four? The Crime-Fighting
2: Quartet. Norm, do you know the answer to this, Mr. Comic Book Expert?
4: I'm going to go with The fighting Four.
2: <laughs> and it turns out Emilia knows the most out of all of you. It was Cap's <laughs> Kooky Quartet.
1: Kooky? Who, 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 yeah. who says kooky?
2: The reason I chose that trivia quest question is because it was so ridiculous. I was like yeah. just doing in- research on the Avengers, and I was like, the, the second run, the second team of adventures they Nick, they dubbed the Caps Kooky Quartet.
0: I would never refer to the Avengers as kooky. So...
2: It was well, this, the 60s. It was, I was a different say, time. This, this was the 60s.
4: This is probably right around the time when... Uh, uh,
2: Timothy when... Leary was just getting his acid mixed up. It
0: was a kooky <laughs> time. It was a kooky time, okay? <laughs> it was
2: a kooky time, y'all.
4: It was anyway, right around the time playing. Steranko started uh, doing stuff. So, yeah, that, that makes sense.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys.